Coming up on this episode of Here's an Idea. Micronatal vaccines could be applied very simply, not too dissimilar from a conventional band-aid, and so this would greatly improve access to vaccines for people in the world's poorest countries. It will look something like an arm or a wristband, much like the commercial wearable continuous glucose monitors you might have on the back of your arm or your stomach. I think microneedles could be the OS for vaccine design, the operating system. I think one should design their vaccines based on this delivery medium. Who really likes needles? Even the doctors and nurses who are administering a shot can have a hard time. Several million healthcare workers are injured every year using conventional needle and syringes. This is Ryan Donnelly, a professor of pharmaceutical technology at the School of Pharmacy at Queen's University in Belfast. Ryan and his team at the university are trying to make needles disappear, in a way. And Ryan's right about needle stick injuries. According to a World Health Organization report in 2020, healthcare workers every year suffer more than 2 million occupational needle stick injuries. That's more than you might think, right? Needle stick injuries from a contaminated needle put healthcare workers at risk of becoming infected with a bloodborne virus. Hypodermic injections using disposable syringes and needles are the most frequent cause of these injuries. And injuries aside, needles make people nervous. Who wants to get stuck by a needle? Why not try to get rid of them when you can? An emerging technology area for delivering drugs and vaccines an area that Ryan Donnelly knows a lot about, shrinks the needles down to the micro level, and then places a bunch of them together. That way the needles don't feel like needles at all. The array of microneedles end up being a bit more like a patch. Here's Ryan again. So microneedles generally don't occur in the singular. They tend to be arrays of tiny projections, less than one millimeter in height, arranged on a solid support. So if you can imagine a patch the size of a conventional postage stamp, then you would have hundreds or thousands of these tiny structures arranged on the surface. And they can be made from many different materials, from elemental silicon, the same stuff as we make microchips from. They could be stainless steel or titanium, but probably most commonly now, microneedle arrays are made from polymeric materials. The size of this array of microneedles can vary, from the size of a postage stamp to right down to one square centimeter. And the polymeric materials are soft and more flexible than metals. They don't stick like needles exactly. They feel different. And if you looked at the surface of the microneedles, it would look like a piece of Velcro that, that's used in, in fasteners for clothing and footwear. And if you run your finger along the surface of the microneedles, it would feel rough, um, again, like a piece of Velcro or a piece of shark skin or a cat's tongue. Um, so you, you get that sense of, of a slight prickly sensation. What you feel is just the pressure of applying the, the patch to the skin. And what you're doing is really just opening up tiny pores in the skin's outermost barrier. When you press the microneedles into your skin, you don't feel pain. You don't see bleeding. There is, however, a disruption of the skin layer, the outermost skin layer, known as the stratum corneum. The needle patch creates little micron-sized pathways 
that lead a drug directly to the epidermis layer of the skin. And from there, a drug can go directly into the circulation system. Certain microneedles, made from a water-swollen material known as hydrogel, offer a controlled release of drugs. Here, the microneedles don't actually hold the drug. The drug sits in a thin film reservoir on top of the microneedles. When the needles are inserted, the needles swell, expanding skin pores and allowing the drug to diffuse through the hydrogel. Such a patch can be worn continuously for up to five days, but drug delivery is terminated as soon as the patch is removed. That potentially beats the option that we're all used to, where a needle goes past the skin layer into the muscle, a more painful and less effective treatment, as it turns out. Less effective. That's a big deal. We'll go more into the benefits of microneedles and why they often deliver medicine with greater effectiveness than the needles we're used to. Perhaps it's time for the needle and syringe to go. Aside from effectiveness, microneedles lead to a simpler procedure. Once you remove them, the holes close over. So what this means is that you've got a very safe technology and that the skin essentially reseals after the microneedles have been removed. In fact, one of the most common uses of microneedles at the moment is not in hospitals, but in the cosmetics industry. There are no true drug or vaccine-based microneedle products on the market as yet. What they are very commonly used for, though, is for cosmetic purposes. So microneedles um, can be used in the form of a microneedle roller that's rolled several times over a person's face. And this action itself can stimulate blood flow and collagen production. And it, it has been shown that this can improve um, the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, but can also stimulate recovery of acne scars and stretch marks. In this kind of beautifying application, microneedles, made from materials like hyaluronic acid, can dissolve in the skin. While not delivering a life-saving drug or vaccine, the cosmetic use has a particular advantage, as Ryan and his team try to bring microneedle drug delivery to the mainstream. They're getting um, microneedles into the lexicon of um, the ordinary person on the street. Um, so it means that when a drug or vaccine product comes along, people are already familiar with the technology and are more likely to accept it. Also, the teams using the microneedles in cosmetics are building up a lot of important safety information. As the needles are breaching that outermost protective barrier of the skin known as the stratum corneum, patients are not developing complications, says Ryan. And what we're seeing is that applying microneedles to your skin, even though those microneedles are breaching the outermost protective barrier of the skin, the stratum corneum, we're not seeing them associated with infections, which is really encouraging. Uh, and, and for those of us developing drug and vaccine-based microneedles, that really shows that we're on the right track with, with developing an innovative technology that is unlikely to cause any harm, but could have major benefits for people right across the world. Ryan and his team are making microneedle arrays at the Queen's University Belfast. The needles are made from a polymeric material, similar actually to what's used in denture adhesives. The idea is to make the microneedles even more micro by making them disappear altogether. What you want is a, a microneedle material that's hard in the dry state um, so that it can penetrate the stratum corneum of the skin and then it will either dissolve or it will swell in the skin 
to release the active ingredient, whether that be a vaccine, whether it be a, a nanoparticle containing a controlled release drug, or whether it, it basically is allowing you to deliver high dose water soluble medicines into and across the skin um, at a rate that you as the formulator can control. That's what Ryan is working on now. Dissolvable microneedles that contain no drugs themselves, but instead have an attached solid drug reservoir that can control the rate at which a drug enters the body. Most recently, Ryan and his team have been working with a number of pharma companies in efforts to deliver drugs via microneedle for HIV treatment and prevention. The HIV-specific work uses microneedles to deposit slowly dissolving solid drug nanocrystals into the skin. The microneedles dissolve too, within minutes, and the backing of the patch is then removed. However, drug absorption can go on for several weeks from that solid drug container. Thus, these microneedles are applied only once a week or once a month as needed. And we've done a lot of work with a, a number of pharma companies um, in this area where we, we're delivering drugs for HIV treatment and prevention. So the microneedle patch would be applied once a week. It would deposit these nanocrystals in the skin and they would dissolve over the period of a week. So instead of people taking tablets every day, they can take the, the microneedle patch and apply it once a week. The university researchers are still trying to get the microneedles just right. So we've just received um, over a million dollars from the, the United Kingdom's Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council to study the design of microneedles and try and work out what is the best shape for microneedles, how many is, is best on a patch, how do the materials they're made from affect the penetration of the skin. So this is going to be a very systematic evaluation. In this episode of Here's an Idea, we'll explore the growing appeal of microneedles, especially as the world confronts a range of diseases and a pandemic. We'll look at two cutting-edge applications of microneedles. One is a specific response to COVID-19. The other is a step toward better health monitoring and being able to use microneedles to detect the onset of diseases. Will microneedles be our predominant way to deliver drugs or vaccines? Can microneedles help give us a warning when our bodies aren't working properly? Is the needle in syringe ineffective and on the way out? We'll explore these questions and speak to three researchers who are working closely with these drug delivery devices. So here's an idea. Microneedles. The 3D printers at the Silicon Valley-based manufacturer known as Carbon can make dentures and gas caps, a variety of objects, even sneakers. In fact, Carbon has a partnership with Adidas to make flexible insoles. Shoes may seem like a giant printout, but building the footwear requires additions at a micro level. The Adidas shoe printer is, uh, has a limit of resolution at 162 microns, which is about 16% of the width of a human hair. This is Joseph DeSimone, president and CEO of Carbon, and currently a Stanford University professor in the Department of Radiology. Using the micron-level, hair-width-level manufacturing, DeSimone and his team at Stanford, and his former employer at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, are creating a 3D-printed vaccine patch. In early tests delivered on animals, 
The vaccine patch worked very well and led to an immune response that was 10 times greater than a vaccine delivered into a muscle using the jab of a needle. These test results were presented in a 2021 study in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Why were the microneedles more effective than one big needle? The microneedle patches, and microneedle patches generally, are designed to precisely deliver cargo into the intradermal space, rich in immune cells. Syringes frequently go right past an important layer of the skin, the dermis, which contains magnitudes more of the target immune cells in our body. When you look at where these immune cells are located, you'll find that two to three orders of magnitude, a hundred to a thousand times more of them, are found in the dermis of our skin than they are in the muscle of our body. And uh, so we, you know, the needle's going right through the skin and it's uh, going into the muscle and it's actually missing the majority of the cells that are the target. And so it's been known now for a while that microneedles can play an important role <clears throat> in targeting uh, the dermis. The 3D printed microneedles of varying heights are lined up on a polymer patch, and those microneedles can be coated with a medicine or a vaccine. It kind of looks like a street cone, you know, those orange cones in the street, uh, but it's an array of 100 of those uh, that are stacked linearly in a, in a row uh, next to one another. And, uh, and what we can do is now we can make those cones of different heights. The differing heights on a single patch avoid what's known as a bed of nails effect. The force is distributed across a wider area. But we can now make the needles of all different heights. And so you can, uh, the taller ones insert first and, and, and subsequent heights insert and follow that. And so the insertion forces can be really low. The same 3D printing that enables varying heights also enables a kind of digital latitude, says DeSimone. That digital latitude can lead to more precise, more effective delivery of a drug. With a digital design, small tweaks and adjustments are possible. What if that cone, for example, could be widened with branches that come out, almost like a Christmas tree, says Joe. And so that increased surface area uh, allows one to put more uh, of the vaccine per unit area uh, and mechanically protect it on the insertion into the skin so that it can get into the dermis. What's also valuable with a digitally defined approach, says DeSimone, is the technology's adaptability, its ability to evolve as needs change. Maybe a microneedle for measles might have a different shape than one designed to fight the flu or hepatitis or COVID-19. Networked printers allow for over-the-air software updates, which means new needle designs can be implemented easily and remotely. Software updates can enable new and better features and capabilities over time. For example, if a new resin becomes available, one that's more optimal for use with a microneedle vaccine, you don't have to purchase a new printer. A software upgrade can enable the same machine to accommodate the new resin. What's really valuable, says Joseph, is the ability to evolve the technology. The printer's working with a digital file, after all. The file can change, but the printers stay the same. It's a potential platform for innovation because of its digital nature. I think microneedles could be the OS for vaccine design, the operating system. I think one should design their vaccines based on this delivery medium 
and give themselves more latitude than they currently have with a syringe and needle approach. Results from the DeSimone-led study showed that the vaccine patch generated a significant T-cell and antigen-specific antibody response, one that was 50 times greater than an injection delivered under the skin via that syringe and needle approach. Also, with this method, the vaccine comes in a solid and not liquid form, which means that important vaccines delivered this way wouldn't have to be kept in cold storage, and they wouldn't be ruined or wasted if not. The coating on the microneedle patch, in fact, is sugar. When the needle is inserted into the skin, the sugar dissolves and releases the vaccine. The greater ease and effectiveness of a patch like this sets the course for a new way to deliver vaccines, one that's painless, less invasive than a shot, does not require cold storage, and can be self-administered. I think there's a whole lot of people that are not getting the vaccine because they don't like syringe needles. Um, and, uh, and it can be self-administered as a patch, right? So you can eliminate the 300,000 healthcare workers that are now administrating uh, the vaccine to us. So all of a sudden now you have a vaccine that's 10 to 50 times better. Uh, it can mitigate the cold chain. Uh, it can be self-administered uh, and there's less pain and anxiety. And so we think all these things in concert uh, really open up the point where vaccines can now then be shipped by Amazon or the postal, post office and, and uh, really opens up uh, global distribution. While the team hasn't used the needles specifically for COVID-19 just yet, DeSimone is working on it, specifically an RNA vaccine which consists of a strand of nucleic acid called messenger RNA, which codes for a disease-specific antigen, like one for COVID-19. Once that messenger strand in the vaccine is inside the body's cells, the cells use that genetic information to produce the antigen. We're honing uh, the RNA vaccines now, and we want to we uh, continue along this pathway for getting it into the marketplace and into people to help out. You know, we'll be in non-human primates early next year. Uh, that'll take us six to nine months of data. Uh, you could see this going uh, into the into clinical trials in 18 months, 24 months. So far, we've highlighted how microneedles are being used to deliver drugs, to bring them into the body. Researcher Ronan Polsky and his chemical and biological sensors team at Sandia National Laboratories in Albuquerque, New Mexico, want to use microneedles to analyze a valuable material from the body, dermal interstitial fluid. Interstitial fluid is the transparent liquid that surrounds cells. Think of the fluid that kind of puffs up when you get a blister. That's interstitial fluid. And it's more important and revealing than you might think. As an intermediary between the lymphatic system and the blood, the fluid contains more immune cells than the blood and can therefore be a better predictor of oncoming diseases. Um, interstitial fluid is the fluid between blood vessels and cells and makes up about 70% of the total water in the body. And interstitial fluid is attractive for point of care diagnostics as a substitute for blood sampling. Because it, because it can be accessed minimally invasively without pain using microneedles. This is Ronan. 
In fact, just by probing down into the skin by only a millimeter and a half, microneedles can extract interstitial fluid in a way that doesn't reach the nerve cells to cause pain. And it doesn't reach red blood cells, which can cloud the results of a test. It's the geometry of the needle itself that um, prohibits um, the, the breaking of blood capillaries so we can go after interstitial fluid and we do not get blood. Microneedles have been used to pull interstitial fluid, just not enough of it. Polsky and his team's design get up to two microliters per needle, which doesn't sound like much. But previous attempts to take out interstitial fluid with microneedles only pulled a fraction of a microliter. Now, by making an array of needles and modulating the pressure on the skin, those microliters multiply. And Ronin's needles extracted up to 20 microliters in human subjects. The more fluid that you can collect, the more information you have. We created a research platform using microneedles to extract interstitial fluid, and then we use that to characterize the fluid contents. But these are not sensors. These are biodiscovery experiments. The relatively large quantities of pure interstitial fluid that are extracted make it possible to create a kind of database, one of testable molecules like proteins and nucleotides, small molecules, and other cell-to-cell -cell signalers called exosomes. Their presence or absence in a patient's interstitial fluid would then indicate signs of bodily disorders, like cancers or liver disease or other problems. The individual's data could be transmitted by electronic means to a future data center. So if we can add a whole host of other biomarkers, such as the proteins, metabolites, and RNA, we get a more comprehensive analysis of what is going on. Here's what a wearable might look like, according to Ronan. It will look something like an arm or a wristband, much like the commercial wearable continuous glucose monitors you might have on the back of your arm or your stomach. And like those, there will be a small box type reader connected to our microneedles, which have our sensors embedded inside of them. And once the device is placed on the body, the microneedles will superficially enter your skin painlessly. The sensor is placed one to two millimeters into the skin. Since it's in the tissue, it's in direct contact with interstitial fluid measurements. The fluid diffuses into the electrode on the skin. Nothing is actually drawn out. Once in the interstitial fluid, biomolecules can reach the microneedle electrode through diffusion. Specific molecules can be detected based on the specific function of the sensor. The microneedle-based device features biomarker-specific electrodes, a power supply, and a signal transducer configured for both on-chip and remote readout. Each microneedle in the device can be functionalized separately and individually addressed for detection. So to put it somewhat simply, the sensor is applied to the skin and the microneedle biosensors do the work. The concentration of target molecules reaching the specific electrode surface are converted into electrical signals and quantified. However, unlike continuous glucose monitors, we are going to measure markers beyond glucose, like DNA and proteins, and hopefully make this microneedle device for general health monitoring as well as make it disease-specific. That technique has proved of more than just theoretical interest. Sandia Labs, with Polsky as lead investigator, has just signed a $1 million cooperative research and development agreement with the Australia-based company Microfluidics Biomedical. Together, they want to make a watch that senses lactate and glucose in real time. The watch is projected to be market-ready within three years. Ronan believes that there's unique information in interstitial fluid, the kind of information you won't find in blood. 
Since the skin has one of the highest concentrations of immune cells in the body, measuring interstitial fluid in the skin can play an important role in the monitoring of infectious diseases. Well, microneedle diagnostic devices would be a game changer for our health system and for generally improving the quality of life for people. Similar the way for diabetics, they have alleviated all of these burdens that used to come with frequent finger strict pokes. This can be applied to more of a general context for health monitoring. It would also revolutionize point-of-care diagnostics, allowing for on-demand, real-time um, diagnosis of specific disease states, like viral infections, for instance. The importance of microneedles is perhaps more easily seen in the context of a global pandemic, when vaccines must be distributed and applied as quickly as possible. Here's Ryan Donnelly again. If we also then think that in developing countries in particular, there's a huge shortage of skilled healthcare workers, microneedle vaccines could be applied very simply, not too dissimilar from a conventional band-aid, and so this would greatly improve access to vaccines for people in the world's poorest countries. Microneedle vaccines are potentially more stable than those in liquid form and can be applied without the need for healthcare professionals. Dissolving microneedles require no specialized disposal. They disable on their own. And what if that microneedle band-aid didn't have to be stored in refrigerators? That means less waste and more people treated. And there's more. The other benefit, finally, on, on microneedles for vaccine delivery is that if those microneedles dissolve in the person's skin, then they become self-disabling. So there is no risk then during disposal of anybody getting harmed accidentally by discarded needles. Ronan Polsky's health monitoring device is crucial when you need an instant status. Um, look at the, the current pandemic. If we can um, put this as some type of crowdsourcing where we can catch, um, as pandemics are spreading, we can catch um, uh, the way, the, way, the, way the, the dynamics of how this is spreading through populations. You can do this with individual health monitoring and maybe even be able to do it sooner than the current antibody tests. Through 3D printing, the microneedles can be easily customized to develop various vaccine patches for flu or measles or hepatitis or COVID-19. COVID-19 spurred on the efforts from Joe DeSimone and his team at Carbon. When we respond to the next pandemic, we've got to go, you know, even faster. And, you know, as bad as this pandemic has been, and it's been really bad, as we all know, uh, terrible, um, it could have been a lot worse. You know, this could have been avian flu with a 30% mortality rate. The world would be scrambling way more than it needed to in this case or did uh, not needed to but did and uh, you know I think um, you know I think all of us are eager to play our our small role. One way to potentially go a little bit faster is to eliminate one needle for a bunch of micro ones. our listeners. If you'd like to learn more about the microneedle technologies featured in this episode, you can go to our episode page at techbriefs.com slash podcast. There you can also listen to previous episodes of Here's an Idea, and you can download the latest episodes on your favorite podcast providers like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. 
I'm Billy Hurley. Thanks for being with us on Here's an Idea.